0: Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends and tactics from some of the world's most innovative minds in music. I'm artist manager and consultant, Jordan Williams. And I'm Sam Heisel, co-founder of the music marketing and content production agency, Knox.
1: We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans.
0: Welcome to the show. Jordan, what's happening, man? How you feeling? I'm good, Sam. How you doing? Y'all broke my motherfucking collarbone, bro. That's how I'm <laughs> feeling. I ain't going front, but we're pushing through, bringing you yeah, of your new episode.
1: Who yeah, man. Keep, keep you in my thoughts, bro.
0: It's all good, man. We out here.
1: <laughs> Always or forever. Exactly. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> no matter what. That's going to be uh, on my tombstone one day. <laughs> we,
1: no no No, it's got to just be... Don't even worry about it. We out here. <laughs> just, just that on the tombstone.
0: Just that. <laughs> so who we got Marco, today, man?
1: Today we have Marco Merandiz. So for those who don't know him, he's a founder of a company called Drop Party, and he also does consulting work with Westbrook, which is a company that was co-founded in part by Will and uh, Jada Smith. So he runs merchandising drops for, for people via Drop Party. Um, And he does everything at Westbrook from product and merch design to production, site design, developing, marketing strategy, just kind of being whatever they need whenever they need it. So today we get into merchandise specifically. Um, We've discussed merchandise uh, with a few other people, Alex Cram, uh, a few other people kind of lightly. But today we actually get into it in depth and I'm super excited for people to hear it. I think people have kind of underestimated what the merchandise world can do, at least at least since the pandemic has started, but his mind's been there the entire time. So it's interesting to not only dive into what people can do to actually build a sustainable merchandise business, but what they can do today, right now, even in the current economic situation. So really excited for people to hear it. Um, a little bit more background on him. He worked as a, a software engineer at Capital One. Um, he got a degree in, co- in uh, computer science. So he brings that uh, relevant experience to companies like Westbrook, uh, like his company uh, Drop Party, and he also worked at an e-com startup named Elliot as the head of marketing. Um, and and funny, funny so funnily so my uh, I don't even know if that's a fucking word. Funnily so, anyway, I'm saying it. Uh, he worked. He worked in a, a co-working space that I worked in 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 Brooklyn. So it's good to finally you know meet him in person and uh, kind of go or meet him virtually and, and kind of go over what'll make uh, people's merchandise businesses successful
0: yeah so i really enjoyed this episode myself i think lots of artists are always trying to figure out whether or not they when and if and how they should start merchandising and i think he's got tons of really tactical tips on how you can actually start now and and grow and scale profit from that in your business so let's get into this week's episode marco Marandis. marco what's happening man how you doing today
2: i'm doing well thanks for having me on
0: oh for sure man very excited Um, I mean, I I think merchandise and and direct-to-consumer commerce right now is so important because I think, especially within the music industry, as artists uh, have lost a lot of revenue opportunity from a live-touring side, this is a really uh, impactful way to monetize their uh, audience and provide unique value to them. So really, I think this is just a really timely conversation. Have you seen uh, like an interesting little shift in the, the e-com and D2C world as a result of COVID?
2: Uh, Yeah, everything has gone crazy. I know when COVID started, people were scared. Everybody laid off half their teams. And some businesses couldn't handle the pressure of being able to, uh, I mean, going remote, not having a a common workspace where everybody can work at, and then also just the fear of the collapsing economy at that moment. But actually, there's been a huge boom. A lot of direct consumer businesses have grown in size dramatically. So I think like the D2C world has has exploded, but now that mindset of oh I can sell stuff directly to consumers, that has been applied easily to uh, other industries too. So we're seeing conferences, we're seeing entertainment, we're seeing all these places start to not that they weren't already using direct to consumer, but now where it used to just be the top echelon of of musicians and artists and creators doing direct consumer, it's kind of now it's pretty much standard. You have to do it to be able to survive in this in, in the entertainment world. Um, and quote unquote, in this economy. I mean, everybody says that, but like that's just that's, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. reality.
0: You got to be able to sell stuff beyond just your content. Right, for sure. That's awesome. Um, for a starter, I mean, can you just to set the stage with even more context, just dive into some of the specific like brands or, or celebrities or interesting talent that you've worked with and just talk through how um, they have successfully gone about launching e-commerce functions within their business?
2: Yeah, so... Um, about half a year ago, I kind of got m- more in bed with Westbrook and helping them with their commerce and merchandising aspects. Um, so that includes everything that Will Smith is doing, DJ Jazzy, Jeff, uh, and Fresh Prince, Bellar Athletics, everything that Jaden's doing, um, and then all of the, the entertainment uh, entities that and IP that they own, right? So that includes Bad Boys and and the rest of their entertainment empire. Red Table talked to with a. Uh, J- with uh, Jada Pinkett as well. So uh, I when I started working with them, it was, they needed help with e-commerce and that's where I'm coming from, my background, coming from an engineering and product perspective and then applying that to e-commerce was really helpful there. Um, but the thing that they were looking for was really, or that they kind of knew they needed but didn't know how to get there, was how do you think about commerce in a way that extends the content that their, that their audiences are already reaching for? So you have these relationships, and we see this already right. um, with like we see musicians and rappers and streetwear brands, whatever. They're putting out content on social, they're putting out content through their YouTube videos or uh, I don't know, newsletters or whatever it is. But how do you get that to be something they can take home with them, take make it an experience? And this has been the transition from just having content right. to creating events around the content and who they are and merchandising and monetizing that. So There's the whole Westbrook side that we're working with. Then um, on the other side, I've been working with people that, um, you know, business managers and agents from CAA, uh, WME, Rock Nation, OVO, just people that are working with them or associated with them, making connections to their entertainers and helping them in different places. So um, whether that's designing and producing their merch, whether that's... um, doing all the fulfillment and the e-commerce stuff as well. I'm just, I'm helping out where I can. And then in that process, it was it became very clear that doing all these things, custom one-off building custom sites, and lot of stuff is way too much, is way too much to do. And what they really need is yeah. what a lot of people are looking for is uh, a drops service, something to be able to do drops, be able to focus on the creative, get something out the door. And then when it's over, they're done, they can move on to the next creative project they want to. And they don't have to carry the overhead, of what we would consider traditional direct to consumer and e-commerce, which has uh, a lot of lead time, a lot of expenses, and then maintenance for that, that requires long-term uh, oversight. And that's kind of where I've come in now, is trying to shift that model specifically for the entertainment industry, is applying direct to consumer mindset and models to uh, to monetizing content in a more linear fashion. From They said something and how do we monetize this? They put out content. How do we monetize that versus let me build a store and a brand around who I am and then try to drive traffic to that every single day. It just doesn't work like that in in the social media world that we're in right now. Um, when everybody's trying to get your attention right. all the time, we, we had to change the way that we're operating.
1: What does that process yeah. look like? Um, the beginning of a process when a client comes to you and you kind of try to extend that experience to a direct-to-consumer product, what are some of the high-level questions that you ask? And then what does some of the nitty-gritty look like?
2: Yeah, so first thing is like, who are you? What is it that you're doing, right? So if you're uh, an athlete or you're mm-hmm. a rapper or you're uh, an actor, what what is it that is not just like my name? I don't want to just put your name on a shirt. What is it that your brand stands for? Who are you're you're creating content right. that's supposed to extend into your audience's mind? So what is that? How do we extend that into a product angle? And sometimes they say, "Oh, it's, I want a T-shirt for my uh, that has the, the title of my song on it." And sometimes they say, "I want to create a whole custom line." So, for example, uh, with Jaden Smith, he does these collections that he drops every couple months, and they have like twenty-two to thirty items in them. That's his creative endeavor, and then mm-hmm. uh, we work with him to to work with manufacturing and production, do the samples, do all that stuff. Um, That it begins with how do you want to be perceived from a product perspective? Because people aren't just buying whatever you sell, they're buying part of your experience and part of your brand. So that's the first step. And then it's right. Figuring out what the product is and then figuring out how do you want to market that? So sometimes it's giving them a link that they can promote on social, they can promote on a podcast they're going to, uh, or they're going to be on, or it's, Um, or it's just saying, let's create a drop where the landing page experience is really interactive and fun. And then when the drop goes live, people are, Mm -hmm. um, people go in and buy the thing that has been really interesting to see. And this is really interesting data. I think probably you have seen this too, and just in the world that we're in is that, most of the sales for drops and anything that happens from an entertainer happens in the first 24 hours, 80 to 90% of the money that's made off of merch yeah. happens that day because they put something out on Instagram and say, Hey, go, go buy my new collection. And people flood to the store that day. They buy what they can. And then people who aren't interested, I mean, by day three or four, they're down to $0 in sales and they've made, you know, maybe they've made a couple hundred thousand dollars, mm-hmm. but that's it. And this depends on the scale of the, of, the talent as well, right? Kanye is going to drive a lot more um, than like a Instagram, a, a, a startup rapper's. I don't know, like you know, somebody who's just kind of getting going right now with two hundred fifty thousand right. followers. They they do different amount of volume, but the there is a parallel in how quickly uh, the the interest in that product decays. So now we've changed the approach to say let's not just build a store, let's manufacture and engineer an event around merchandise for the content you're putting out. If they go put out a, a lookbook on Instagram, we got to monetize that in 24 hours as much as we can because once it's once it's out, people get bored of it and they move on to the next thing. So yeah, it's it's, uh, it's definitely changing right. right. what so, is traditionally e-commerce to more of a um, to more of event-based marketing where you're monetizing it. Thinking about it, actually, like a conference or like a concert than a um, than a store. It just it doesn't have the same mechanics.
0: Mm -hmm. do you feel the uh because i know too like classic sales tactic i mean urgency and i mean drops have this level of like limited quantity that helps drive Mm -hmm. urgency um i mean I, i know i was speaking with another manager and during covid when they were trying to adapt um they just mentioned rather than doing like as big of uh like building big inventory they were just doing more frequent limited run drops um, I mean, would you kind of second that as the optimal strategy for effectively monetizing your audience, limited runs that sell out kind of quickly, supremifying your brand? A hundred percent. That's been actually the biggest
2: friction point when communicating with talent about what they should be doing is they all think that they can drive, you know, like sell 40,000 units in three days. It's just for a lot of these people that you can't. And it's not because you have uh, 30 different products you're selling. It's, be, or it's not because like you can't sell that many individual sales. It's that you're selling 30 products and people come into the store like, what am I supposed to buy? Right. It's a lot easier if you go in and say, I'm selling a hoodie, I'm mm-hmm. selling a t-shirt, and I'm selling a keychain. Pick one of these or pick all of them and buy it. The, there's no decision fatigue or, like I guess, analysis paralysis, trying to figure out what to do. People can come in, they right. can buy what they want to buy and they get out of there. Um, but doing it with limited... And this is like, when you think about a drop, there's a couple different pieces to it, right? So one is anticipation and hype. You have to build the hype. Then you wanna capture the intent of that person, either their email, their text message, or just remind them in some way to go to this thing. But then you impose scarcity and urgency, right? So you talk about urgency, Sam, but like scarcity doesn't necessarily just mean there's only a thousand units available. It means you could say it's unlimited. You can buy as much as you want, but it's only available for 24 hours. Like you can play with that dynamic for, for supremifying your, your, your merchandise. So um, yeah, I would definitely say keep it as limited as possible um, while still having it represent your brand. Well, because what actually looks worse and what I've seen with a couple other people that we've worked with is that they'll do large, uh, 30 items in their store and then they just turn off their store after three days because they didn't sell out of it. They just say, oh, Mm -hmm. the store's down, it's over, we sold out. And then later they come back and say, yeah, re-up, we (laughs) restock. You know, like they already have all the stuff just sitting there in a warehouse waiting to sell. I think that's the um, one, it's an ego hit to you as an artist or entertainer. Like, you don't, nobody wants that. But the reality is like people are it's a lot easier to sell one to three items than it is to get somebody into Walmart and buy everything off the shelves.
0: Mm -hmm. For sure. And in that regard, too, I mean, I know a lot of these tactics are great for mobilizing your audience organically, and I think doing so in a very effective way. How valuable do you think paid media is? I know from like, if you look at a lot of the non-entertainment related direct to consumer brands, I mean, they're just doing a fantastic job at performance ad buying across platforms like Facebook and Instagram and remarketing site visitors. I know there's like, you can run cart abandonment ads where somebody might have made it to the checkout process, but not fully checked out. And be like, hey, want to finish the checkout and see really, really strong return on ad spend? Uh, From a strategic perspective, do you feel that's uh, something that uh, artists and brands should always be considering as part of their strategy as well?
2: Yes. Yes. Generally, yes. Uh, But it doesn't always mean you need to implement. You should always consider it to see what it is you're doing. Right. So, um, if you think about, let's take this the classic and simple example of Kylie Cosmetics, right? Like everybody knows that, but Kylie is a Kylie Cosmetics is a brand independent of Kylie Jenner, and for that, that's a brand they've created that's independent of who she is, which allows you to run advertising to that. If you're trying to run ads off of merch for your Instagram account, it becomes a little harder to distinguish, and I think it it can tarnish. it's becomes harder to distinguish between the brand and the entertainer and it can tarnish or have a negative impact on people's perception of who you are as a brand so if i have 30 million followers Mm -hmm. and i'm running paid like sponsored posts on my own content promoting my products that doesn't feel like i'm following somebody because i like who they are it feels like now i'm being sold to and that's the line that we got to toe really clearly as an entertainment industry right like you are an entertainer. Your brand is creating content and an emotional and, and like evoking some emotional reaction from your audience. The second you start putting ads in front of them and and, and expecting them to buy a product that it changes everything. So if you want to put advertising behind your product, I would almost say create a new brand independent of who you are. So Jaden does this with Misfits. Kylie does this with uh, Kylie Cosmetics. Kanye with Yeezy. Yeezy can run ads. Although, well, I mean, I don't know if they're really pushing it. Like, they don't need to push it like that, but they could run ads, and that wouldn't affect your perception of who Kanye is, or his, or who he is as an entertainer. So, um, so it, and I think actually we're looking at this too. We see this kind of starting to emerge with streetwear brands. Um, we talked about Supreme, but Aim On Door, depuis toujours. There's all these like I don't, they also have French names, by the way. I don't know what's going on there, but they, um, <laughs> they. I think the thing about them is that they tap into the the vibe and the the spirit of the entertainment world while still being independent brands. So they're able to promote, they're able to do advertising, print ads and all this stuff that captures attention, but still feels organic. And uh, all of this is very much like, every one of these is anecdotal and subjective and unique to the talent you're working with. But there are, Mm -hmm. you, you should look at these things critically when you're approaching uh, when you're approaching talent, when you're trying to figure out what I should, how I should merchandise, what product should I create? Um, those are all bigger strategic conversations mm-hmm. about the brand of this entertainer versus, um, yeah, it, there. It's not just slap a logo on a shirt and sell it through my Instagram account. You can, but sometimes you want to think a little broader. Right. Than that.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Um, speaking of like superstars selling merchandise. I think something that, and versus uh, independent artists, I think something that a lot of people don't really know how to do, and I've I've had to uh, try to give some advice to to artists on this in the past. But obviously, you'll have a a better idea of how to approach this. But in terms of pricing, uh, we've obviously seen. The Yeezys end up like 300 dollars, and then Kanye even come back and say, "I don't want to price it like that. It's what the shoe, it's what the shoe company wants." Or we've seen super exclusive items, um, and they're priced like through the roof, and obviously you have to re-buy them on eBay, and they're super high. Um, what do you think is what do you think goes into the decision making for for pricing effectively uh, at different levels of an artist's career?
2: Oh. Uh... I think it it starts with how much clout you have, how much pull, how much leverage you have and and the value of the con- of the product that you're putting out, right? So um I would say like how do I say this? I think that you're you want a price for the intention of your audience. So if you're a TikTok if you're like um let's take like Jason Derulo for example, right? Like Little bit past his prime as a musician, but killing it on TikTok right now. He read he's still an entertainer, so he knows how to entertain. Mm-hmm. So if he's gonna sell products through TikTok, mm-hmm. who are his fans? they're not they're not gonna buy a two hundred dollars hoodie. They're gonna buy a forty dollars t-shirt, maybe, mm-hmm. right? And I think like all of these things you think about pricing is like, are you trying to make money or are you trying to build brand? That is one one um dimension you want to think about. So for Kanye, and adidas wanting to price yeezys at 300 400 that is a choice to create a brand at a certain price point where kanye selling uh shirts through the gap is a business where he's making money so one is accessible and generic for and available to everybody and the other one is a, a status icon um and like this is this is something that I think about a lot too with, I don't know if you saw Kanye's vote drop that he put out a couple of weeks before the election. Um, but he did like, he had a hat This is like vote Kanye. He had a shirt that, or a hoodie that said vote Kanye. I bought it because I was entertained. I was just trying to see like, okay, what is this about? I bought this hat, hat was $60. Shipping was $20 on a hat. And I was like, this is, I, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting <laughs> s- scenario to be in where you're like buying an $80 product that you know costs $6 to make. But he knows he can make money off of it, and for him, a sixty to eighty dollar price point for a hat that is not necessarily manufactured at the highest quality or whatever—like to do that, he's going to make money. This is how he's running his business. Where I think Yeezy is more of an exploration of mm-hmm. of a brand identity. How do you pr- position yourself and continue to elevate who Kanye is in the zeitgeist in in the world of entertainment? That's they have different objectives, and then pricing comes. Pricing looks very different based off of
0: what you're trying to accomplish. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So when it comes to, uh, like, I mean, you obviously have a wealth of knowledge as it pertains to a lot of the uh, kind of foundational elements of getting things off the ground with regards to vendors, creation, and then you mentioned, like, customizing Shopify sites, now you're working on your own product. Um can you speak through kind of what you would recommend as far as like great vendors, both on the actual like merchandise production side, um, and as well as on like the, like, on like e-commerce website side. And, and I guess when it comes to, I know it's like no one size fits all, but I'd say like a lot of our listeners are, are probably like early mid stage musicians that don't need to hold tons of inventory or do like massive purchases. And they're probably even asking themselves if it's worth it to, hold inventory or if they should just do some sort of like just in time printing. So any advice you have as it pertains to the op- best vendors and best approach for creating merch and then having an e-commerce site would be really helpful.
2: Yeah. So on the vendor side, uh, it's honestly always about who you know and, and how much bit, how much value you can bring to the vendor too. So if you think about this, let's take a step back from the entertainment world, but look at, uh, direct consumer businesses, manufacturing partners actually are partners. If you know that you're going to drive a lot of volume, these people will sign exclusive agreements with you, get you better rates, and they'll be able to produce your product at a faster in a faster timeline and oftentimes do the shipping and packaging for you as well, right? That's because you're providing value to them by driving sales. If you look at that from uh, the vendor relationship for entertainers, um, you got to think about, what it is that when you're talking to a manufacturer, what value are you providing to them as well? Um, So oftentimes what I would recommend is find the manufacturers that you are connected to through your network. Um, I work with a great one out in LA. They're they're called Fabriquet and they don't even do much marketing. If any, I don't think I've seen anything about them, but they work with top tier talent in the hip hop industry. uh, And they've been working in the entertainment industry for years. So Fabriquet is one, Um, but they'll handle, I mean, you, can bring them you should bring them designs and the ideas and they'll help you find the sourcing and um, they'll they'll figure out like what the minimum orders need to be for it help you figure out the cost because the they'll do all of that for you and oftentimes they'll even fulfill um, we use them in a certain scenario where we have them produce things that are kind of uncommon and hard to find. Um, that's a gr- so they're they're a great partner there, but um, you know they've done things like they can do alarm clocks and umbrellas and they can do whatever, anything you want. Honestly, they can do a lot of stuff there. But if you're looking for uh, T-shirts, hoodies, shorts, sweats, socks, hats, those type of things, there's many manufacturers that can help you there. But you want to find, I would say, go to them, build a relationship, tell them what you're trying to accomplish uh, and ask them to to work with you on on timeline and and order quantities because that will get... Uh, that relationship going and then they'll they'll help you understand how you can continue to grow there so um from a manufacturing perspective like you said it's not one size fits all you kind of need to know people and i can list out a whole bunch of Mm -hmm. names but you need to talk it's hard to reach out to a manufacturer cold i've never met anybody cold in manufacturing or production it just doesn't happen at least for me it hasn't it's always been somebody who connects me to somebody else and then i build a relationship there um if you want to have any names or any introductions, you can just hit me up after this podcast. I'm happy to help and make any introductions that that would be easy for me to do. Um, but on the e-commerce side, again, no, not one size fits all. But I will say that if you are if you are a talent that gets eyeballs every single day, what you want to do is probably set up a Shopify store with a few basic items in there that always have your uh, your like you know a, a hoodie with your name on it, or just like your album cover or, or vinyl, like just have some a basic store there so people who are discovering you as you go as you're continuing to market yourself on social media or just through the through media however you're doing it, um, that they can go and they can buy something if they're interested. Um, but I think another piece of this that I'm building for a drop party is being able to facilitate drops very easily being able to build that hype and and um, execute drops very efficiently. So on our side, what we do is we'll help with the design, production, fulfillment, customer service, and the drop site itself. So that's what we're doing from a technology angle and giving you a one-stop shop to be able to, to do drops really easily. Now, this works across uh, rappers, actors, athletes, um, streetwear brands. We're working with all of these different types of businesses and, and talent mm-hmm. to make this happen. And then on the, uh, but that doesn't necessarily. It doesn't mean that we're saying just use Drop Party and don't use Shopify. That doesn't make sense. These are tools that are used. They have their own purposes and their own needs. So a lot of times, what we're doing is we're working with brands or talent that have a Shopify store, and we're running a drop with them simultaneously. The mechanics of how you work and engage with your audience are very different. Um, And besides, just I'm mentioning Shopify and Drop Party, but there are a lot of other tools too Sandcart, Tapcart, uh, Store. These are all just like e commerce tools and platforms that you can look up and plug into. Um, They get all of these have very specific use cases they're building for. So uh, Tapcart is like a simple drag and drop website builder. Uh, that is on top of Shopify, if, if I remember if I understand this correctly, and then you can just you can make a store that looks the way you want it to. We're Drop Party. We've built our technology specifically for drops. If, you, if Shopify is for generic e-commerce, Drop Party is for drops. And everybody has their own niche. So you just got to find what it is you're trying to accomplish and every artist has their own um, has their own goals some of them just want to sell vinyl versions of their stuff and a t-shirt every time they drop a new album. Um, and that's fine. You don't need to do a drop there. And other people, like if we're looking at Travis Scott, Travis Scott doesn't, I mean, he has a store, but every store is a new drop. It's, the, it's the Fortnite drop it's the McDonald's drop. It's the PlayStation drop. Like he just keeps going with drops because that's how right. he knows how to make money and he knows how to, how to move his audience and activate his audience to do that to, to go buy products right now. So um yeah i I hope that was helpful
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, absolutely, absolutely um, I guess as we close out, like I think it's something that a lot of people are wondering um that I've even gotten questions about is how early should people sell merchandise um how do you what are kind of the markers that you Look for um, in realizing that there's enough demand. Uh, when should you invest? That sort of thing. How early in, in artist's careers should they should they uh, begin to start thinking about selling merchandise?
2: I think you should do it now. Just start, I mean, I I know people that are starting to sell merch and they they have five thousand followers on Instagram. Like they're they're just getting started, but they're just making a small run. I I have twenty five t shirts, twenty five in white, twenty five in black. Here they are. Let's just sell them because what you're actually trying to do is build one the capacity and muscle memory for your team to be able to sell merchandise. So when you get to scale, you're not trying to figure out how to do it <laughs> then. Start learning now. Figure out right. what you can sell, who your what your audience wants to buy from you. If you if you're selling, uh, if you if you try to sell, I don't know, really high end hoodies or crew necks that nobody wants to buy because that's not what your brand is, learn that now. And maybe you can evolve into that, but don't make the mistake of waiting to get to a million followers and then drop the products. Uh, At one, I think getting to a million followers includes having merchandise along the way. Every piece of product you sell that somebody's wearing is somebody marketing your brand out on the street when they're doing something, when they're just living their life. So I I say as early as possible, as an entertainer or a manager of entertainers, you're not just responsible for the art they create, not just their tours, not just their uh, their their income every day, but also how are they presenting themselves as a brand and that includes merchandise that includes how to monetize content more effectively. So this is a it's it's one piece of the whole entertainment uh, uh, of the entertainment aspect of being a Uh, a rapper or celebrity or whatever it is. You have this multifaceted and you need to test those areas early, learn from them early. um, And then you can make strategies around things when you learn, if you're not testing, you're not learning.
1: Right. Absolutely. Well, Marco, man, we want to thank you for coming out. I think, I think like, Talking about merchandise, especially right now in the middle of a global pandemic, will be super, super helpful to our audience. Um, I've, I get a lot of questions constantly uh, from our community about how to sell merchandise, when to sell merchandise, uh, what vendors to use. And I think luckily we'll be able to hit on all that today. And uh, we wish you the best of luck with everything in the future.
2: I appreciate it, man. Thank you guys for having me on. It's uh, special to be on here. I feel like I'm now part of co- the company that you've been on here, and that's a uh i mean you've had some amazing people on your mind i don't even know how you guys you're are part of community
1: man <laughs> 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 thank you bro thank you yeah.
0: all right have Thanks, a good one yeah well that was you a great know, episode what'd you think jordan yeah man
1: um i thought it was super tactical i think people will be able to leave this episode and kind of have some ideas on how to how to uh You know put together their merchandise businesses um what branding looks like i'm super glad that we got into depth in terms of drop shipping uh buying in bulk first and kind of what's appropriate for people so really excited for people to to to, you know go through this again and excited for the people that made it to the outro
0: yeah for sure well as always everybody thank you guys so much for joining us uh we'll be back next week keep up the great work everybody we out